0: Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. And Welcome back. I want to just take a moment to say I appreciate your patience. My lovely listeners, I put myself on a personal sabbatical. There was so much going on in my life over the past four or five months that I needed to just give myself a break and reorient and focus on what matters. And I also had to move. I had to uproot my entire life on the farm For 11 years and we have transitioned and moved and unpacked and settled in to our new home. We had to move about 40 minutes west of where we were living in Olivia, Minnesota and I'm finally feeling at peace and at ease and comfortable and no longer surveilled or being watched or being scrutinized or being judged and criticized for every time I leave my house. Um, And the parameters of the harassment order have prohibited me from openly discussing anything because I have been court ordered to be quiet. Um, It's not an official gag order, but I'm not allowed to mention names or talk about personal experiences because they hurt the feelings of the people that got the restraining order on me. So all of that is to say I'm moving past that, trying to there might still be a little sore spot, obviously. I, I had to change my whole freaking life on a, an emotional whim and triggered reaction of an individual. But I am here in my lovely office that I swear was built for a podcaster. And I'm really loving where I'm at now. And what you're going to notice throughout the first few Episodes that I'm going to introduce to you in this season is a lot of discussion of psychedelics. And I have to tell you, I've really reoriented myself to just kind of immerse myself into understanding psychedelics in an intellectual way, in an academic way, if you will, but also from ethical and philosophical and just experiential views of of other people. And so we're going to jump into it. And with this first episode of the new season, I'm going to be introducing you to Jack Coleman. I've been connected with him on social media for a while now. And we had originally planned to get together back in around April to talk about what he does. He is a mindset mentor for holistic awareness and balance. So another life coach, and we like life coaches. I love life coaches because I've learned so much because I worked with a life coach. And if you're looking for a life coach, I I try to give a platform to those individuals that are working to help other people and encourage them to empower themselves and find the strengths from within. And that's something that I really see that Jack Coleman is, is doing and just offering to people. Now, what his goal is overall is to work out of it the passion that he has that's backed by a desire to help demystify philosophies, concepts, and principles that we believe are unattainable or unfathomable and even unrelatable. And so in this episode, we really dive into a lot of stuff. We talk about the feminine and the masculine structures and what we know about them and how femininity and masculinity has to a degree been suppressed and manipulated and explored. And so we talk about how we can see both the feminine and the masculine in everything. So we jump into a very controversial topic about how we are all God. And then we conclude with Satan is God. So this is going to be a really fascinating conversation. It's definitely one for the open-minded it's definitely a conversation worth considering for the curious. We jump into why questions can trigger an emotional and reactive response from us, considering that when we are triggered by questions, as Jack says, it's because we are either hiding a lie or protecting a truth. Now, I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Sometimes when we are asked questions, it does anger us, right? We are activated all the way into the cellular core of our being. And I really liked this discussion because it helps us understand why. We also delve into the discussion of psychedelics and how plant medicines can benefit many individuals. Now, I don't want to give you too much more because, like I said, this is a really fascinating conversation. Jack is very inspiring, and I just really appreciate his outlook on relationships, especially being that He is not currently married or engaged in a romantic relationship, but he has such an optimistic and inspiring view of right relationship and how relationships really are the fundamental pillar of what helps us balance and integrate all of the other dimensions of our erotic selves. So for more information about Jack Coleman and his services and how you can connect with him, I'm going to strongly encourage you that you go find him on Facebook. He can be found at jackcoleman three six nine. Or if you notice in the show notes, you can click on his website, jackcoleman.live. Please be sure that you're, you're dropping your comments in all of the comments fields so you can further participate in the conversation. And also, if you like what you hear and you think it could be a benefit to someone else, if this compassionate consideration of these viewpoints could help someone else, please don't hesitate to share it with a friend or family member. With all that said, I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you for joining me in this season. Now, please compassionately consider the perspective of Jack Coleman. Sorry about that. I didn't want to forget to record. Um, I just noticed I was getting really caught up in status and just a lot of surface crap. And so I was like, I need a break. And then We had, um, my father-in-law kicked us off the farm, so we had to move within three months, Mm. and we had been at the farm for 11 years, and so we had to buy a house and move, and I wanted to make sure I was, like, settled and comfortable, but. Absolutely. Your video that you did (laughs) on September 13th, um, what'd you call it? Are we all God? (laughs) You said some bold stuff in there, and I was like, oh my God, I gotta get him on and I gotta talk about this now because it was just this really inspiring um, idea that really helped catapult me into kind of stripping down all the layers. And so that is ultimately what I wanna talk to you about first, Jack, is that video and are we all God? Because at the end of that video, we'll get there. But you (laughs) made a very bold proclamation. And I, I wasn't offended by it. I was like, someone else gets it. So, mm, I, do you awesome. remember? Do you remember that video? I mean, that I
1: do, but I, I don't script any of it. So, um, so you, you might have to like remind me of of what I specifically said at the end. I All took of it. Okay. So, <laughs> awesome.
0: Because again, you just you just said a lot of really big statements that I think a lot of people um are are approaching i think people are approaching that idea and so in the beginning you talk about how god is a noun Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if you can just if we can dig into just that concept alone so you talk about a person a place a thing and you're saying how do we find god how do you find god so i'm wondering if we could just jump right into there and why is god a noun
1: Uh, I feel like it's because we have this external perception of things, you know, I I personally feel like we live in a material mind, you know, like, like you said, there's something emerging with people. And, and I think it's the, this concept of, I would just call it essence. And, you know, we just say spirituality in some sort of way or, or mind or, you know, something along those lines where you can't quantify it. It's intangible and uh but we just grew up for generations in this in this mindset of of i'm only influenced by things i can feel with my senses which is materialism so then we say i have to find i have to find happiness in in having something you know acquiring something so basically physically possessing something and i just don't believe that um I mean, I, I, sorry, I personally believe that we have more of that frame of mind than we do this spiritual frame of mind. You know, even in magic, I see people have to, you know, they have to have all of their things that they, that they have in order. And it's like, you get a little piece of this and you get a little piece of that and you do, do it at this point in time and do it on this space. And it's all material. And all I want to say is you realize all those things were, were, they basically got the reputation for achieving that goal only because when that person first did it, they said, you know, how did someone ask them, how did you make it rain? You know, if it's out in the desert and they said, well, you know, I had this stick, it made some, some noise cause it had some beads in it or something like that. And I shook it around and then it started raining and they say, okay, so we need a rain stick, you know, so something like that. And it's like, no, you don't need a stick. You need the essence of we need some rain or we're going to starve, you know? So that's really what what people, what calls in the the phenomenon, whatever you want to call it. That's what calls it in is the essence, you know? So I just think people tend to say, what did you have around you when you had that essence? But they're just not looking at the essence. They're looking at the material things that are surrounding us.
0: Do you think then, people, sorry to just cut in real quick, but do you think people do that because they're trying to make things for lack of a better word, scientific, something reproducible?
1: Yeah. So that, that would be like the masculine mind, you know? So the masculine mind is, is analytical. It's just, you know, how can I, how can I replicate something or even predict, you know, like their predictions are based on uh, calculations and statistics. The feminine prediction is based on feeling like intuition, you know, there's, and you don't really, you know, if a masculine, if the masculine mind asks the feminine mind, how do you know that's going to happen? The feminine mind just says one thing, I don't know, <laughs> you know, it's I don't have any basis. I, it's just a feeling or a premonition or, you know, intuition. So, so we have those two equal and opposites. The masculine needs to have every bit of evidence. Otherwise, you know, it's false. And, uh, and so of course, you know, you'd say, for that, for that masculine mind, you'd say like, well, how much evidence is evidence, you know, like how much proof is proof. And they go, well, enough to, enough to have it make sense or seem reasonable enough. And I'm like, well, you're the only one really determining how much proof is proof. You know, how much, how much evidence is going to make it factual. And and that to me is a godly state. They're, they're making a, a godly judgment of saying, you know, is if you give me this much evidence up to this point, I will determine whether or not it's true or false. That is a judgment, as like a godly judgment. And so you can always ask him, why don't you need a little bit more evidence? Why don't you dig a little bit deeper? And they say, well, you know, we can't, can't do it all. You know, we can't have all the information. So then I'm like, okay, so then at that point, you don't really know. And let's just say you're, let's call it intuition at that point. It's expanded intuition, but we just have this flex between how much evidence the the masculine mind needs and the feminine mind needs to 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 judge something or to like observe something or make a prediction or estimation or a guesstimation. We're all doing the same thing. It's just men, the masculine mind tends to be a little bit more material and saying, I need to see these things in in a place. And I need to be able to repeat it, and then I'll make uh, I'll make an estimation, you know. And it's qualified; it's a qualified estimation. It's so,
0: interesting that you point that out. I was reading something about uh, psychedelic mysteries of the feminine and of femininity, and there was this idea introduced about uh, the dynamic feminine. And it did counterplay on this idea that the masculine is more mathematical, is more logical, is more uh, centrally focused on what I can observe. Whereas the dynamic feminine is, transcends beyond the material world, right? And so the feminine divinity rests outside of that which you can tangibly touch in a lot of cases. And so anyway, I just wanted to throw that in that, that, that kind of adds a little bit of weight to that idea about how how we do see the masculine and the feminine, we're not seeing either of them as lacking anything actually, but it's just, these are the strengths of each of the divinities. And what I notice about you, and this ties back into a lot of what you talk about, is you are focused on the feminine and masculine balance. And there is a significant imbalance of how we are really like embracing our energies of both the masculine and feminine. So I think it's really interesting that you kind of mentor towards that holistic approach of balance between feminine and masculine. What brought you to that understanding that it was that <laughs> fundamental and, uh, and yes. helped you create the kind of the methods and the, the lectures that you offer to help
1: that. Uh, that's a perfect Perfect question and insight, um, because I just I personally feel unsustainability is the biggest uh, issue with with any sort of system. Right. That's that's the ultimate collapsation is just the, that one word. Sustainability is what makes or breaks a, a system. And if and if our let's just say even a relationship is a system, you know, like two people trying to make something work even in just one person trying to make it work within themselves. That's a system of, you know, particular pillars of life, you know, health, wealth, uh, love, you know, three main pillars, and then, you know, some other pillars branch out of that. And so that's a system within ourselves. And the way that system seems to work or function properly is through sustainability. And what is sustainability? It's balance. And so anytime that a system is unsustainable, it's imbalanced. It means, you know, like, let's say recycling, for example, what makes that unsustainable? There's more consumption than there's recycling, you know, or or let's say, focusing on the uh, output, you know, the cleanup afterward. So it's like, unwrap all the stuff from plastic, because it just gets us, you know, packaging, and it gets us the thing, and then we open it up. And, and our mind is so focused on getting the thing that all we do is we just toss the plastic, you know, or the packaging. We just toss it. We say, I don't care where it's going, you know, and then we keep doing that to where we care more about getting the thing, which is the introduction of it. And we care less about the um, uh, departure of it, you know, whatever it is, you know, the, the packaging afterward, what happens at the end of it. So that's unsustainable. And so the same goes, you know, with our with our minds, Yeah, I think that these things are constructed by our minds. So like these systems are constructed by our minds. <laughs> yeah, see that? But, but basically, that's the, the main premise for, uh, for these sort of concepts that I, that I talk about, because I don't really like pain, I don't really like seeing tension, I don't like experiencing tension, I don't feel like it it does good things in the world. I know that we work off tension, you know, certain levels of tension. But it seems to cause other issues that people just assume are life, you know, they just say, that's just a part of life, you got to deal with it. And in my opinion, I was just like, why, why do I have to just deal with it? Because I was very spiritual, not in the sense of what most people would call, uh, spirituality. I was very fascinated with the concept of spirituality that people were saying, that's a real thing. And, and obviously religion was the thing to, um, to kind of address that. And I had questions as a kid and they couldn't answer them. And I'm just like, so why are you telling me it's true? Like, why are you telling me for a fact, this is what it is. And you can't tell me you know how you know it's true other than this other person told you that and you said yeah that's a good idea I'm going to tell someone else that and so I was always fascinated with spirituality in that sense so so I just wanted to know you know like where do where does all this stuff come from and and uh yeah and so I just wanted to find this sense of sustainability and that meant balance and That meant trying to perceive things from a different state of uh, mind, you know, like what we consider life to be as it is, you know, that's just a part of life. If I can imagine something different than that, then where does that come in? You know, and then they can tell me that's my imagination and it's, it's, you know, unrealistic or something like that. And I'm like, but then that's how all things came to this place right now is that someone imagined I could do it differently. And so then, you know, I'm just like, so why can't I imagine it another way? And so I just kept doing that with every little thing. I just kept asking myself, is there another way to, to view this thing? And it just, it's crazy how far it can go with all these different things in the world. And yeah, so that's pretty much um, a nutshell of how it all came to be like this kind of consciousness
0: yeah yeah so and i i'm taken back to just the childhood questions that i had too and like all children were like why why i want more information as to that okay you tell me that why 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 yeah And we really evolve out of that curiosity when we start growing up and maturing it's like asking questions is no longer acceptable and i remember i i don't know if it was within the video or maybe just something that you had posted Um, but to, to the effect that asking questions angers people. And my initial response to that statement was, yeah, why? Because I struggle with that, right? Like if my husband asks me a question, I'm like, what, why are you asking me a question? Mm -hmm. But a lot of it too, is that's my biggest complaint is people are afraid to ask questions, right? We get to this point where asking questions is offensive because you must not believe me. Well, I want to believe you, so I need more information to to get there so that I can have this understanding of where you're coming from, right? Because we think that we should be able to just make a blanket statement and not back it up. Well, then that I would take back to the biblical teachings I've been given. Well, Well, it says within the verses that like if we believe in something, we should have a reason as to why we believe it and not be afraid to state it, Right. But we're in cancel culture, so no one really wants to talk about what they actually believe. And we lean more towards this, this civilization of agreeableness, right? And because to be seen as disagreeable is to be seen as you know not civil and and not humanitarian and not considerate and not empathetic. But you talked about this idea that that when we become angry when we're asked questions it was either because we were hiding a truth or protect or hiding a lie or protecting a truth. And I just thought that was a really interesting concept. Maybe we could jump into that. And this, this idea is like you had these, these, and now these aren't the only options for why a person becomes angry, but they're quite common is we're hiding a lie. And in a lot of regards, what are we hiding our ignorance? Because we don't know.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I do feel we, we distort things. I feel like that distortion is usually serving our own, you know, agenda. You know, it's like what I want out of things. That's why I'm going to skew it. Hey, do you want to go to the farmer's market? It's just right down the road. It's actually 30 minutes away, you know, so I'm skewing it so I can get, let's say communion with this person. And that's something as simple as going to the farmer's market on a Sunday or something like that. So, and people would just say like, oh, well, you know, I didn't know it was that far away. It's like, no, you had Google Maps. Like right now, there's so many different ways to actually, you know, get to a truth. And, and you know, thankfully for technology and the internet, you know, that's actually allowing us to, that allowed me to see all these different perspectives to where I go, no one really knows. I'm just actually not going to assume anyone knows what what it is they're talking about. They're only they're only knowing what they're focused on and sure we could say professionals are very focused on it, but I'm like, yeah, but the more focused we get on one thing, the less we see of these other things. So it's hard, you know, and then if you see more of the other things, you can't dive deep into one thing and be a a specialist. So that's the duality. So the universe is constructed in paradoxes, right? Everything's a paradox. So the more you focus on one thing you get really good at it but you miss out on all of these other things and so then you don't really know the actual connection between them you know it gets difficult to it gets difficult to try and piece things together make bridges but then if we do make bridges they're they're not uh they're not so deep they're not so complex and so then we say oh you don't really know what you're talking about you only know it at surface level but you know a lot of different things, but only a surface level. So that's the duality, and um, and so yeah. Generally, I feel like we we swim in and out, you know, of of these swim in and out of these particular mentalities. And so when we question someone that's a specialist, they say they they would get angry because they're like, you don't know, you don't think I know what I'm talking about. And, you know, and
0: I just want to jump in. There was someone on the mainstream media that recently made a statement that basically said, questioning me is questioning science. Uh, yes. That is, that, 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 is that, that problematic area that we've fallen into where if they're an expert, we dare not question them. And I, and I think that creates so much more conflict for us to be able to engage in conversations going outward. But so I just wanted to throw that in because
1: totally, it's like
0: on the precipice of what we're experiencing right now, collectively.
1: Yes. And like this year, I, uh, the 2020, I feel like was the conclusion to the 2012 apocalypse. So... <laughs> I feel like that was the the segment right there was it set the stage for people riding the 2012 apocalypse. Hmm. And then, and then the 2020 was kind of the, the, uh, culmination of it because everyone that, that I know that, um, was on the 2012 apocalypse, like within this chunk, they're the ones, let's say, speaking against the agenda of, um, of this 2020, you know, stuff. I, I don't know if you're for or against it or in the middle or just like, yeah, it's all, it's all an experience, you know, let's just lump it all together, but it, it's really radically changing. It doesn't matter if we're for or against it. It's still radically changing our consciousness because of all these different variables for the conspiracy theorists that, you know, they're like, yeah, my, all my research was, it's coming true. It's literally unfolding right in front of our eyes. Other people are like, yeah, I wasn't into conspiracy theory, but now I'm realizing there's a lot of cor- corruption, and thank God or thanks, us for this sort of uh, uh, social media platform so we can share this information like wildfire. Like literally, it. They walk out of the courtroom and there are some posts, you know, talking about it. we don't have to wait, you know, months and months or years like back in the day before the internet, we had to wait for like them to publish a book like two years later. We're two years outdated. Right now, they're literally walking out of the courtroom and we have access to that information. It's you know so crazy what, um, what this time or this age has really done for our awareness in terms of what is true or false. It's also quite, it's screwed it up quite a bit because we have one side saying that this is all true and saying that the opposite side is all false and then that opposite side is saying their side is all true and the other side is all false. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the subject is, we're going to find this, this kind of true and false on both sides. And when I have anything dualistic, and I go, it could be this, it could be that the only thing I know how to do at that point is just go, well, eventually, they're going to wiggle around each other. And then they come together as one right, right in the center. And so, so it's the hard part is that some of these things are so far out that it's really hard for us to even hold just one up, you know, and now we got to hold two and then we got to smash them together into our center. So, I mean, I think that's, this is just another global mechanism for this kind of, you know, uh, conscious expansion, expansion of consciousness. And, and so, yeah, it's it's really interesting, uh, you know, it's turning people into conspiracy theorists because they're questioning, you know, they're questioning the the leaders, the authorities, they're questioning doctors or science and seeing, you know, how much money is being fed into these mainstream uh, doctors and how they're invested in all these other, you know, pharma companies and connected with these other politicians. And, and it just keeps going. And it's like, wow, so things are woven together much differently than I, than I thought. And it's, and it's waking people up in some way or another. And even if they're not into any of that, they legit believe it's all an accident. We're just doing the best we can. They're still getting rocked in their love life because now they're both at home working from home. And they're like, I didn't know. I didn't know who you were more than one hour per day. You know, I was working most of the time. Yeah. And so then it turns into an emotional awakening, you know, there are people that don't need to get in a conspiracy theory. It's just, it's just, I have to live with my partner now 24 seven and I've never had to do that for more than a week, you know, on vacation and we weren't working. There wasn't, you know, those conditions and we could drink every day and you know, like that, all those little things seem to hold together the relationship or lack thereof. And then now they're realizing now they're home together. There's no vacation. They're not drinking because they got to show up, you know, work the next day. And, and they're at home. And so they're like, wow, I really, and now I'm seeing more of you. And I didn't realize how different we were. And so, that, and so then it really changes or shifts uh, the, the bond between the two people. I would just say surfaces it. And, uh, and so, yeah, people are questioning love. And so that's an awakening in this. It's really a way in your know, finance. It's awakening. You know, is my business under collapse? You know, how do yeah. I turn digital or something like that? How do I work from home? Because who knows? They keep shutting it down, opening it up, shutting it down, opening it up. And so then it's like people need to learn how to pivot with that. So we got information being a, a conscious evolution with uh, with this 2020. We got love. We got finance. Those are the three main pillars, in my opinion, health, or sorry. So health would be another one, you know, like, yeah. you're not exercising.
0: Yeah. So we, so not only are we experiencing this kind of political revelation, we're having a social revelation, but then you go back home, you get this emotional revelation going on, but then around it all is this new awakening to what is health. How do I keep myself healthy and does everyone else really want to keep me healthy or coming into Mm -hmm. this financial awakening, right? Realizing how the game is rigged and who's always going to benefit no matter how hard I try. I mean, there's so many revelations coming. I, I feel like everyone is going through like a big explosive erotic epiphany because they are being inundated from every dimension of life. And now it's like, Let's integrate it because you know, it's out of whack. It's imbalanced. And so we have to integrate it. And so I think that just kind of speaks to the overall narrative of the global awakening. Right. And then how do we, how do we work through it? What methods do we use? How do we keep our sanity so we can keep everything in balance and, and, and that's kind of what you actually do directly with, with people. So, right. You're, you're a mentor yeah. coach and, and you're trying to help people like kind of formulate these balances within their life.
1: Uh, totally. I mean, and I can't say I specialize in, in one particular, let's say avenue or pillar uh, cause I'm not like a, you know, an extra special, you know, financial analysis or financial analyst. Um, you know, I'm not like a, a love doctor or guru or anything like that. I just, I really like seeing them all together and, uh, and that's it. And I just want to see how everything fits together. So some people have, you know, everyone has something more so to, to look at, you know, and so they have other things in check. So great. They go to that specialist, you know, that that's just like, if, if it's their marriage, they go to a marriage counselor because their work is all right, you know, it's steady, it's consistent, they know if they lose it, they have other options. So they don't have to worry about work, great, you know, their finances, they have plenty of money saved up in the bank account. So they don't need an, uh, an analyst, you know, or an advisor. Um, health, maybe they, they exercise, so it's great. You know, so they all those other things are in check, they don't need to look at those those other things. So where I really like to Uh, help people with is is trying to work on that if it is just one part or let's say it's one or maybe even all three pillars so far I haven't really helped anyone with all three pillars in one moment it's usually one of the three pillars but but generally speaking what I do is I look at whatever seems to be imbalanced or let's say broken or fractured or distorted and then we work on that obviously to the best of my ability because I'm not a specialist in any of these things. I'm a passionist. I'm very passionate. And, um, and so then what I, what I really like doing is saying, okay, now once we shift that one thing, all the other things will shift too, you know? So it's like a spider web, you know, if you have a spider web and you push on one part of that spider web, all the other branches converge with that shift. It's not like you can push on one part of life, and expect everything else in that web to be totally stationary, to be totally stagnant, you know, exactly how it is. So as we push on one part of our lives, the, the other parts will actually merge and usually converge toward that, that pressure point that, you know, that we're uh, working on. So relieving that pressure, all the other points seem to balance out. And now it's a, a nice little circle. You know, the web is a nice little circle so so that's generally how i help people is you know there's a part in life if it's health wealth or love generally speaking you know we just try to exercise and massage that part you know what what is the frame of consciousness frame of mind that that is constructing it so i like looking at uh, consciousness as codes or like software and so you know we're we're basically diving into the codes what what have we programmed and And, uh, you know, how do we reprogram it in, in my approach to it, I try to simplify it, you know, there are specialists that go really deep into that kind of uh, coding. But if I simplify it, it allows us to see more of the key or like the mechanism for decoding. And then as, let's say that that person, if they're, if they're working with that one part of their life, if they see that coding, you know, that key to the codes, then they can also start seeing how they're shifting the other parts of their life. So they can use that same key and kind of tweak all of the other nodes of their of their reality and their consciousness because it's all the same thing. And uh, and so I try to teach a little bit of that at the same time. So you know, eventually I'll be making a course here, hopefully this year, that that teaches that key because I believe there's this one fundamental key or like understanding um of the cosmos that allows us to balance out anything anything that we're going through it's almost like universal and you know let's just call it energy but it's really understanding what is energy as a frame of mind and as a frame of uh matter so or reality and then understanding those two things it's like we can we can basically do this with anything in our lives and so it's you know. give someone a fish, they eat for a day, teach someone how to fish, they eat for a lifetime. So it's just what, how do we teach someone how to fish and how to make a fishing pole and, you know, maybe even make a different kind of fishing pole because you have different kinds of fish you're trying to catch. So some poles are thicker and longer. Some are thinner and shorter, you know, different uh, baits, different hooks. Um, You know, so there are all these little styles, but it's still called fishing. So in terms of like, understanding or you know becoming aware of our of our minds it's still we all have a mind and they all seem to function in the same singular way but we have all these variations that make it so colorful and seem so different and I stripped away all of those things and I found out what is this key mechanism of consciousness in terms of you know not just understanding what is consciousness but how to move it and, uh, and yeah, it's just done wonders in my understanding. I was very a misunderstanding person. I never understood people. And I had a lot of problem trying to just interact with people because I, I was so stuck in my own mind. I had no idea how other people's minds work. And the more I dove into other people's minds in accordance with my own mind, I started seeing all these principles and ended up seeing a common thread or theme throughout them. And then I go, wow, it's like it's like this is in everyone's mind or maybe it is everyone's mind and now we're just experiencing that key or that mechanism in all of our own unique journeys and that's it and so that's why I talk about so many different things because we're all experiencing generally the same thing through our own unique journeys and we all understand this you know from here it's um some depth. We all understand we all have a unique life and everything, but it gets hard to understand someone else's unique life. And, you know, cause it gets so far out or so far fetched or, you know, whatever we perceive to be uh, wrong or unethical. And it's like, I've done this with so many things to where I can basically talk about any mindset as a state of God, you know, so looping that back to the original to the point where I was just like, I think we're all God at this point, and and I feel like we're all just experiencing a version of infinity as a finite human, and saying what does infinity feel like as a fine as this finite body that is Jack, or that's Danielle, and so we're experiencing that finite journey, and then it kind of overlaps with people, you know, in conversation yeah. or physically. I, yeah
0: that resonates deeply with me that's kind of like the the evolution that I've kind of made in witnessing and in, in in picking up on your last point about you know how people always feel like they're misunderstanding other people do you think a lot of that comes from this collectivized ideology that is like so important I Sometimes feel like I get overwhelmed with collectivism and community and concern for people that are outside of my proximity to a point where what happens then is we are okay with these generalizations and seeing us all as one, but then we separate all of these different collectives on top of it. And then we're like, I don't understand why you don't fit in this box. And it's like, (laughs) well, because we forgot about the individual experience. Like we are literally, each body is a diverse environment that is so different than everybody else. But at the same point, yes, it is the same because we all have the same rules and and hardware programs for how an individual body operates. But when we collectivize everything so much, we forget about the uniqueness. And then- When someone reflects something back to us, we don't know how to handle it. And I think that helps add to that conflict. But I'm just wondering if you see that too. This collectivized mentality really, I believe, contributes to the separation. And, you know, what have we done with God as well? We've separated God, right? God is this superior being and we are not worthy. But then you're going, but I am God. So are you. And so, how does someone reconcile that after being taught for decades you are separate, you are beneath, you are not this, you are not that, you fit into this box? So
1: totally. You, yeah. Yeah, I I do feel you know going back to sustainability, duality, and everything. So the the duality is community versus individual. <laughs> I can only assume what you're saying right there. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm a kill you fly. Yeah,
1: that's what. I <laughs>
0: It got trapped in my office with me, I guess.
1: <laughs> you were like, I want in on this. So I feel, the, um, I feel the duality is is community and individual individualism. So we all know that we're individuals and we all know that we're part of a community. It's just, where is the priority? And so the priority is collective consciousness, you know, group think, herd mentality. And so people just look at their neighbor and say, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. So if I look at my neighbor they're going to inform me because you know I'm closest to my neighbor and whoever's closest in proximity that means they're we're divinely connected that's all subconscious all of, that's how i believe it's it's uh, herd mentality is working but it's all a subconscious understanding so generally people just go you know all those things that i just said they all those things are floating in the background and they just go okay i'm going to do that you know, but it's, that's why my opinion is because we have this, this collectivism of I'm a part of a culture, I need to follow the rules. And if I don't follow the rules, everyone else is going to hate me. and I'm going to be ostracized from the community. And I want to be a part of the community. I don't want to be left out. So you know, we just, we want to be around people. And so all those things float in the background in the subconscious. And that's why we look to our neighbor, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Like, you know, if the neighbor starts looking up in the sky and screaming and stuff, I'm probably going to look up at the sky, man. And I scream immediately, but I'm going to be like, what are you doing? You know, that you're doing something and, you know, surfing, I surf out, you know, I'm like one block from the beach. And if people aren't surfing in this one spot, I'm going to assume that there's something about that spot, maybe a shallow reef or something, you know, or w- whatever it may be. Maybe it's just bad waves or something. and I just don't realize it. So I just, subconsciously go over to the to the group because they must know something that I you know I don't know but it doesn't mean that's always the right answer which is generally what people lean toward is saying if I'm going to do something different than the herd that must mean they know something I don't but if we lose sight of this other perspective which is maybe they don't fucking know you know And maybe there's a better swell coming, you know, on this side. And I don't, I don't know either. I'm just, I'm just guessing, you know, I just have an instinct. And so then you see the one person go in the other direction by themselves. And then of course the group points at them and then they, they go, they look at this guy. He has no idea, you know, what he's doing. And it's like, yeah, there's a gamble. Just like any sort of um, prominent figure figure in history what did they do? They went against the grain. They broke the rules. They did all the things that the authorities are telling us not to do. And it just, it just breeds follow, following mentality, the follow mentality. And same with religion. It just breeds follow mentality. Follow me because I know better than you.
0: And the irony of that, the follow me mentality is how many, uh, just speaking on Christianity, how many followers did Jesus have? Mm, a dozen. And one of them yeah. sold his ass out. So, uh. you know, and I, I just I just wanted to throw that in because I'm constantly, I remind myself of that when I, like I said earlier, I get stuck in that status and in thinking about, oh, nobody's listening to me because I don't have the likes and I don't have the followers. But I, I have to go back and remind myself either to Jesus, Danielle. Like, what, what did you expect when you speak a different kind of truth, that isn't so agreeable and isn't with status quo and isn't what everybody else is agreeing with, then you do stand out. But sometimes that gamble and that risk will lead you to be a revolutionary, ultimately. So,
1: Or, or in the loony bin. So, I mean, it goes- I mean, that
0: too. That too, obviously.
1: <laughs> and I, yeah, like, I you know, like, let's say this is a really odd example and people don't like it when I use this one, but I think Charlie Manson was right. <laughs> oh, I know. And so, and so basically, the reason why I'm saying that is because he was talking about, let's just say, this these very concepts, you know, authority controlling us and mind control and even going out into ETs and other dimensions. And I'm like, I'm totally on board for all of that stuff. But the thing is that he didn't know how to integrate that, let's say, in a more balanced or composed manner. So he ended up, Going psycho, psychotic. And and it turned into follow me, which is kind of the same program. Follow me, you know, go to the other side. So then he made some Kool-Aid and they drank it, you know. So he kind of he didn't know how to really blend them together to where it's like, yeah, you can, you can venture out, but don't lose yourself. That's the hard part. So people don't want to venture out because they'll lose themselves, which is why psychedelics aren't really good for people that are in the following mentality usually people that gravitate towards psychedelics where their mind is just totally blown are the people that are already kind of breaking the mold in some sort of way. Yep, because that is they, yeah, Because me. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so people that hate psychedelics, what do you know? The, the biggest fear that they have is that they'll end up seeing themselves and, and mm. they'll be like, this is how different I am and I can't just rely on what my neighbor is doing anymore. I'm now tapping deeper into my let's say my essence and my uniqueness, you know, my individuality. And then seeing that with the rest of the world that, that I claim I know. And it's like, yeah, I'm really going to be different at this point. I can't just follow the script anymore. And that's. You can't lie
0: to yourself anymore. Yeah. You like physically cannot lie to yourself anymore. I mean, that is one of the things I have been using psychedelics for almost a year now. That is the one thing I cannot lie to myself and I cannot lie to the people I love. I just lying has and so if you can't lie to yourself anymore, you can't convince yourself that you're happy about something or satisfied about something that is convenient and, and keeps you comfortable. Because and
1: suppressed it with right, other mechanisms.
0: Right. You just can't. You can't you can't lie to yourself. And I think people like to lie to themselves.
1: Yeah. And I would say on a subconscious level that they're comfortable in ignorance. And let's just say we're comfortable. I would lump myself. It's not like I see everything. So I feel like, you know, we all have this, uh, we all have this kind of consciousness or um, lack of, you know, like maybe even call it subconsciousness and um, fear of moving to the next, the next level. And, um, and yeah, and it's for this reason. So I don't, I try not to bash people, you know, I used to bash them all the time because they couldn't see the things that I could see, but I didn't yep, realize like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's, I think it's a natural part of, of evolving, especially if we evolve in rapid bursts because we didn't, we didn't chip away at it, you know, like, so if I, if I kept smoking weed on a regular basis or, um, used psychedelics that induce those states of consciousness. They didn't happen because of me. They happened because I consumed something, and I withstood the waves. That's basically psychedelics. Is being is someone basically dumping us into a storm out in the middle of the ocean, and then saying I survived it, but I didn't swim out to the ocean and then survive the storms and then swam back. And so I feel like, you know, some sort of sober evolution is kind of like, yeah, I don't have a boat to just or a helicopter just fly me out there and drop me into the big waves. And then they pull me back out as soon as I'm done. I go, I'm done. I'm done at the end of the night. You know, I'm good because that's what psychedelics can do for us is they can we take a pill or we take a substance or, you know, a plant or a root and then we just consume it. All we had to do was pay some money, know the right people and pay some money. And we might not be ready for that because we didn't swim out there. And so it might really rock our, rock our world. And other people, yeah, they do some prep. Maybe it takes them like two years to do ayahuasca or something like that. And so they're really, you know, even just prepping themselves for it. Uh, and then there are other people that have those experiences sober. You know, they they chip away at it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then they have that, that far out experience and now they're, they're living in it because they don't need to consume the other things. So, so it's, you know, we're all experiencing it in some sort of, some sort of level, but I feel like when it's induced and we're really not intentional, when we're introduced to it, it really can rock us. And we also might feel we know more than what we really do. And so then people will start looking down, you know, have, have this spiritual ego of I'm now ascended because I, I saw the, I saw through the veil or something like that.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah, I can, I, I just wanted to jump in there too. For Is,
1: sure.
0: That's totally what, what I see too. There are, there are all these different ways in which people um, can escalate their evolution. They, they don't need to use psychedelics, right? Um, my husband won't ever. Okay. Um he just what's really extraordinary about my husband is the experiences i have either on psychedelics or cannabis um i can talk them out with him and he's he's already got something to compare that to right something he's already experienced he sees the resonance in it and he's already felt that and i think Okay. Yeah. And I've said this before too. Um, and Sam Harris has spoken about it too. He's like, some people don't need psychedelics, but the rest of us do. Right. And I'm (laughs) like, yes, I do. I'm one of those people, but you're right. If you're not intentional with your use, if you don't go into it with some form of intention for like, for me, I'm, I go very specific. I'll say, I want to release something tonight. I know I have this feeling something is clogged. I can't identify it. I want to be shown what it is and how I can release it. Right. And sometimes it's just like, I need to widen my awareness lens on myself. Right. Um, but you do have to have an intention. And I know a lot of younger people and I'm not knocking on young people, but I know a lot of younger people who just use it as like a Friday night, And I'm like, right, to fill time, to clean their houses. No joke. I know someone who uses LSD to clean his house. And I'm like, (laughs) you're, you're, mm, no, Um, but we do want to be mindful. And a lot of people can experience that kind of um, transcendent divinity outside of the scope of psychedelics. Like for a lot of people who are scared of psychedelics, I would say if you've never smoked cannabis, try that too, right? This is my recommendation, but to, I think we're all in that period. I know a lot of people are where I need something to help me break through what I'm feeling right now, right? Because we are overstimulated. We are told that productivity is meaning and we're in a situation where we can't really do either of those things. We can't be stimulated all the time. We have to like stay home. We have to be scared. We might have to mask up in whatever state we're in, if we're in the U S and And then uh, productive, how can it be productive? Like uh, the the economy is not being productive right now. Like we have scares and and scarcity threats, right? And so people are looking for that. But I would also say, have you tried a conversation with someone who's willing to hear you and hold space Mm. for you? Because while a psychedelic experience is amazing and I do love them, you can get that same high from just sitting in front of someone and going, Are you really hearing me right now? Like, I feel heard. (gasps) Mm. You're seeing me right now. Like, that is a high in itself, right? And that is the connection high that we get when we are willing to reveal ourselves and be vulnerable and in an intimate proximity with somebody else. And maybe incorporating touch, because I always say that physicality is very important and it doesn't have to always be sexual, right? Touching people. So what I would say is like, you know, if you're thinking about psychedelics or anything like that, I would say, start with a conversation, just start with a really connected conversation and see how much divinity like develops just out of that.
1: That's beautiful. I freaking love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of, I would say what helped me was just, I never did psychedelics until about a year ago, aside from cannabis. Like I would smoke, but it was, I wouldn't treat it so divinely, you know, I would, I'd basically, you know, I was halfway through the it's Friday night or something like that, but I would stay in and I would journal or I would learn something, you know, like far out that I couldn't learn, let's say sober or like when my mind is like stressed,
0: like sit on YouTube and watch videos and stuff and just be like, whoa.
1: I didn't just know. absorb yeah, yeah. so yeah. so I liked that and it really enhanced that because I would you know it really give me focus and I wouldn't see the rest of the world so I didn't actually like hanging out with people because it was it was more stressful than being sober you know at that point so I so I was kind of like in the middle I would use it for a reason I knew that it would enhance certain things but um I didn't quite look at it on an emotional level. Like, you know, like I was clearing something, like you said, clogged, something's clogged. Now I look at it a little bit more that way because of my first time doing, uh, having a trip or a journey, which was about a year ago. And um, yeah, and I did mushrooms and that's when, and I, I wasn't prepared. I did it. Um, I did I did it all bad I did it all wrong so let's just put it that way and uh, and I paid the price and you know I had to go through uh, what I thought was a really difficult ego death and um, and so yeah it, it really gave me more respect for just consuming or being part of something that's gonna shift my consciousness and that includes people so you know having a conscious conversation. It's to me, it can be like a a trip or a journey, you know, we're going through the mind of someone, you know, and we're seeing things that we didn't see before. And I naturally did that, but I didn't know how to respect it in that way. It was just, uh, yeah, it was still disconnected. Um, and, uh, and so, so yeah, I mean just having just being open to someone else's mind is pretty much like being open to, uh, Uh, a plant medicine, because that's the consciousness of a plant medicine. And it's really interacting with our minds. And it really can trip us out, just like hearing someone's trauma and their experience. That can really trip us out to the point where most people go, I I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to know that. And that's, that's basically us saying, I'm not ready to see that. I'm not ready to see that in the world. And sure, it's not geometric shapes and like colorful, you know, unicorns and stuff floating around and you know, all the stuff that we might not be ready to see because it can feel so real in that sense, same with, you know, sitting down with someone having a cup of coffee, and then they tell us about some really horrible stuff that happened as, as a child. And we're just like, you know, I'm not ready for that. And and so they might be ready, just don't go to a coffee shop, you know, at 1pm and expect it to all, all be all right, you know, so it, you know, it's like those sort of things. And in, in like your husband, you know, saying, I don't need psychedelics. I believe that to be true. I don't, some people think you can only find God through psychedelics. And just like everyone's God, you know, everything is a church. It doesn't matter what it is. If that's the thing, person, place, or thing that gets you into that state of mind or that essence, then that is God. You know, that is God for you. That is God for me. That is God for whatever whatever gets us in touch and that's it and it might be having children you know because there's a moving through that on a daily basis people are just like yeah this really showed showed me what god is you know having a child and same with you know building a business let's say it's an international business it's like yeah this really woke me up you know a near-death experience it really woke me up to what is life and you know how to cherish it each day and psychedelics that really woke me up so everyone gets woken awoken through some sort of mechanism and it doesn't have to be you know a a chemical let's say but there are people that when they get awoken in a certain way like um let's say people that haven't they got awoken through having children what what are they going to say whenever someone's having a hard time you should have kids that that will really show you you know, that yeah. will really show you yeah. what life is all about. Because
0: if it worked for me, it might work for you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It transformed me in, in, you know, such a different way. Or like, you know, someone saying, I'm, I'm having trouble, like, I'm finding my direction. They're like, start a business. Yeah. And it's like, just like having kids, you don't just tell someone to have a kid. You know, it, it's let it, it's neglecting all the other aspects of it, of who's my partner? What, what do they have going on in them? We're making one person based on both of us i'm unifying with them i'm not just using them as a kid same with business you don't just start a business just like i'm bored i'll just start a business you know you you want you should want to sell the product you should want to be a part of it it's going to be a very intimate thing it's a day in and day out type experience and journey you know and same with health you know it's like none of those things are just so casual if it's going to be life-changing or transformational so i of course, like those people aren't really coaches in that sense. Like they're not, you know, someone saying you should have kids, they're not going to be like a parental coach or something like that. Yeah. You know, it just like toss that in there and just, <laughs> uh, and so so yeah, there are all these other things that come with it, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't work, you know? So mm-hmm. it it can still be a legitimate thing, but we just have to feel a calling for it. If If we're kind of in this in this sea and we're, we're floating around and we don't really know which way is up or down, but we feel we need something, you know, that's kind of like, um, we're looking, that's a state where we're looking for this new, this new essence or this new depth of God, source, creator, zero point, whatever you want to call it. And, and we just don't know exactly where it is because, you know, we had this point where we thought it was somewhere, let's say it's someone that was in the church. And they thought they could only experience God at a church or around other Christians. And then they're like, but I'm waking up to realizing the other religions might not be wrong. And so what that's doing is it's releasing the borders and the shackles of, of their current religion. And then they're awakening to something bigger. And they're, and they're like, and I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to integrate other religions into this one that I've proclaimed to be a part of, you know? And, and so now I'm floating in a sea of ambiguity. And I don't know what this is. I don't know which way is up anymore, what is right and what is wrong. You know, just because it's opposing me doesn't mean it's wrong anymore. And that's really weird. That's a weird feeling. You know, but in, in my opinion, that's getting closer and closer to infinity. The more that we realize right can be wrong and wrong can be right. And it's just a matter of perception let's just say subjectivity let's just say consciousness then at that point you know we're like wow i'm really going to be showing up to people much differently you know it, it really it really rocks it you and know
0: this is going to be our perfect segue into the bold proclamation you made at the end of that video i think So you talked about how everything kind of come back, comes back to an infinity. And that video that I had brought up, you kind of talk about how once we start to recognize that God is everything, that brings us to acknowledging that this idea of Satan is also God. Mm-hmm. And so speak on that because like I said, that's a, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Like I've come to that epiphany. I have come to, to go – if God has created the entire universe, if that's the narrative that I'm accepting and God is all powerful and God is all loving and God is graceful and all forgiving, God created everything that, that does include this entity that we call Satan or 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 this character of the devil. And so again, I've, I've had other people on the show who have also espoused the same ideas and I'm like, yes, let's talk about it. So... I'm just wondering, like, awesome. bring that to us all for other people to consider that Satan is God.
1: Yes, <laughs> this isn't a popular one. Um, <laughs> uh, usually, usually by people that are still in the you know the Christian paradigm, because when when we're in an arena we only see the game inside the arena. You know, we're not looking outside of the arena. We're not looking at the parking lot. We're not looking at, you know, the restaurants. And we're not looking at other arenas in other sports outside of that one. So so generally speaking, like people, spectators especially, are looking at the the two teams and they're pushing and pulling, which means they're playing a game with each other. It doesn't mean the u- whole universe is that game. It just feels like the whole universe is that game because our attention is so focused on this who's going to win, who's going to lose. And and so we miss out on walking outside of that arena. You know, once the game's over, time's up, game's over, what what happens to everyone? They go, "Whoa, okay, you know, now I'm going to walk out into the car and I'm going to listen to the radio and you know, I'm going to do something other than this. So it's almost like we're sucked into it, just like a movie. You know, we're sucked into the movie all the way up till the credits start rolling. And then we just we just kind of look around and it's just like, what a journey, like what a trip. But it was just a movie. It was just a sport. It's just a game. So when I, when I look at, you know, let's say God versus Satan, it, that sounds like a game to me, pushing and pulling. And if God can't just snap his fingers and be done with this person, then it's not the infinite God that's creating all things that's literally making physics that, that we just have no clue. We think the smartest people on the planet are so smart and they're just discovering the physics that let's say God made, you know, so complex and there's probably way more out there that is just going to blow our minds. And this is all God. So I'm like, maybe the the Christian, Paradigm in particular, or any paradigm where it has two people fighting, or battling, or opposing each other, that's a, a game, and that's a dynamic, and that's energy, and so that's a I would call it a limited uh, a limited arena. Just like you know, you have kids, you know who who's the real who's the real parent of your kids, and then you might say it's you, you might say it's your oh. husband, you know your husband might say it's you. Uh, and vice versa you know they'll say without me you wouldn't have you wouldn't have this child you know yeah. it, and so you would have to say it's both you know you can't yeah. you can't try and explain a child without including both p- both parents and it doesn't matter even if it's artificial insemination there's still another counterpart there's always going to be another counterpart to this experience because it's always going to be two becoming together or coming together to become one and, uh, and so in my opinion, the way Christians describe this battle between God and Satan, it just sounds very human. You know, it just sounds like it's not the infinite God that, that is literally all compassing and all things possible. And sure, there's another way to explain Satan. And they say, you know, he's a, he's a mechanism to uh, test people to really find God, because, you know, he's, He's tempting us with lustful desires. And so then they say that's, that's his purpose, is to, is to basically teach us how to suppress our desires. And if we give into the desires, then we're on his side. And so then it still shifts into a side, my side or your side. So I just like, you know, it's, it's just a person embodying an aspect of God more potently than what we're, than what our consciousness can entertain as being a a reality. But once we expand our consciousness beyond that arena, we go, yeah, that's just a version of darkness. Just Mm -hmm. like, just like God is like a version of, of goodness or light. And it's like, it's not all light and it's not all dark, you know, it's, it's both. You can't have darkness without light, you know? And the only thing that's in between them is you. You're the one separating light from dark. Uh And people forget you're the thing separating the two, you know? Light, the only way light, we know that there is such a thing as light is because of darkness. You know, if everything is illuminated the same, then it's all one color. It's all, you can't see anything. You actually won't even know where you are because there's no depth you know yeah. there's there's no dynamics so you don't know what dimension you're actually in so you know people talk about 5D in that way where there's no there's no darkness and, and i go maybe that's just a projection that you don't like darkness yeah you you don't know how to hug a demon let's right. say you don't you know ooh
0: you don't know how to hug a demon yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and i'm not saying that i i hug I like, my
0: little demons every night before bed tuck them in tell them i love them no
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> aren't you cute yeah I mean like yeah there's some horrible things out there for sure and I'm I'm happy and grateful that I didn't go that deep into them like I didn't have to experience it like other people or you know let's just say yet if it is around the corner I don't Mm -hmm. know but ultimately that's what I personally believe is that that all of these dark things in the world seem to teach us something And it's not necessarily how to avoid darkness. You know, that's one stage of it. That's like the the second stage. The first stage is just reacting to it and just saying, this is how painful it is. Then the next is, how do I avoid all of those things? Like, how do I avoid the things that are painful? And then the, the next after that is like, well, now I'm avoiding almost everything in the world because everything can kill me. Even water. I have too much water. I can die. You know, I have too little water. I die. I have too much water. I die. You know I have too much oxygen, I die, I have too little oxygen, I so die. So we
0: need a balance.
1: So we need a balance. Yeah. Yes. And so in, in God versus Satan, we need a balance. And so then when I started scaling my mind beyond the borders of what I thought was evil and what I thought was, you know, God or you know goodness and all of that, I go, wow, it's actually gonna be both of them together. Like just like man and woman. If I want to make a child and evolve the paradigm or the generation the lineage then i need to have both of them working together and obviously i'm not going to make a child based on the suppression of one yeah so like if i'm the man i'm not going to suppress the feminine and say i'm impregnating you you know that's that's let's say creating a block or an imbalance just like god saying i'm trying to defeat you satan and satan's saying the same i'm trying to defeat you god and it's, that's like a man saying, I'm trying to possess you. And the woman saying to the man, I'm trying to possess you. And that's a break. It's almost a competition, you know, but that they find themselves always interacting, but they're competing with each other. And I go, what if we made a baby based on like, I actually really love you. I really love all the parts about you. I want your mind mixed with my mind blended together and see what mind we create one single mind we create out of that. And and help raise them, you know, in our particular values that are aligned. Like, what if we, what if we found that sexually attractive, you know, like that yeah. aspect rather yeah. than. Is that on your list
0: or is, is zeros <laughs> in the bank account on your list? Yeah,
1: exactly. And just even just getting off, like how many people accidentally have a baby just because, you know, they're like, yeah, we've had,
0: so. I've, I've accidentally had a couple babies. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and I appreciate you uh, opening up with that because it's like i'm i'm only saying this on the in theory you know i don't have kids i'm not married i'm i'm very far away from marriage and i don't have like a career i don't have you know like a professional career where i go into an office and i'm i'm getting paid by someone else and and i don't have this whole lifestyle that most other people have so a lot of the stuff i talk about is really observation and I'm yeah, getting that's why
0: I asked you if you were ever married or if you were currently in a relationship because the scope of your just your your advice was on such an inspiring level that I'm like, I don't know if I've ever heard him say he was married or anything, but it's it's just extraordinary to have that come out. You haven't been married correct ever, and so a lot of people are jaded right? They're not speaking in this hopeful, optimistic way about relationships. They are tarnished by them, jaded by them, hurt by them, upset by them. And so a lot of people who are not, it was just surprising to me to some, to see someone not in a relationship engage the erotic components of a relationship so in depth. So I was like really inspired by it because I'm like, you don't hear this from a lot of single people. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. This guy, knows what he's talking about. And it was just kind of, it was kind of breathtaking for me. I was like, he, he doesn't seem like he has been bruised by it so brutally that he has these biases. Everything is just so open and nuanced, but all in respect to balance of feminine and, and masculine. So I just totally. want to give you a little hat tip to that and that I appreciate Well, thank you your delivery and your presentation and that and before we wrap what I'd really love is if you could let our listeners know how they can connect with you Jack Coleman where they can find you what your website is or if you just want to be reached on social media so
1: awesome so I appreciate that and I do my best and I you know I definitely had flack with the you know not not having the experience so much and I actually you know I had a hard time with that because I was just like should I be t- saying these things but also I started appreciating that maybe there's a reason why I didn't get deep in all of them. I've tasted all of them, but I haven't gotten deep in, in them. And, and I think it's because like you said, when you're in it, you start getting bias, you know, it starts becoming very polarized. And if I'm trying to promote this kind of balance, I kind of have to separate myself from it at some point, you know, to some depth so that I could see it objectively. Like, you know, if I had kids and it was a bad experience, then I say no one should have kids, you know. It's hard to come to this place of, well, everyone can have kids, but here's like a nice holistic way of having kids, you know. And so it gets, it gets, hard, to, it gets hard to balance when we're already leaning in one side without swinging to the other side. Because imagine leaning this way and then just trying to correct just to straight center. It's really hard because we're naturally going to tip And most of the time, if we're really leaning to one side, we're really going to tip to the other until we come to this center point. So for me, I just skipped the whole really leaning. So I don't have to go like that and then take all the time. So you just kind
0: of swaying a little bit here. (laughs) Yeah, you just
1: just whispering, you know, just a little breeze. And then it just it tips me and I go, oh, shit, that's where that goes, you know, and then I try something else out and I get tipped a little bit. And so for me, it doesn't really radically change. I mean, there's some things where it's not, it's not like everything, but there are some, a lot of the things that I talk about, I'm just more so getting a taste of it and I'm just feeling it out, you know, in a meditation or something like that. Or, you know, basically I spend a lot of time alone so I could process these things like, you know, uh, at any depth that I, I can have the time to, or the energy to. So I really like, that aspect of it. And I really like being able to show up for people in that way. So, because I want to help a lot of people with the, with consciousness in general. So that means I have to be familiar with a lot of states of consciousness. And it's really takes a lot of time to experience all the different things at that level.
0: It does. It's, it's hard. It's hard for, so I'm a mom of five and Mm. I can just attest to that. It is hard to try and like evolve your consciousness, like be actively aware of it and engaging it as a parent, because you're like, God damn it, I meditate. No, it's not really <laughs> like that. But sometimes it is like that. You're like, oh, I'll just wait for them to go to bed. Right. So, and, and so for me, I've really just shifted my schedule later just so I could have me time, but that's true. We, um, we need to actually have time to be bored. And then to kind of like go, oh, I'm going to find myself to be entertaining somehow. And that's really yeah. how we can kind of dig into it. Yeah.
1: Have the space. Yeah. yeah. And so that's something I, I really try to, you know, like promote people that um, when when they say I don't have time or, or something like that, or, or it's just really difficult because I have this going on. It's like, well, you know, there are a lot of different ways we can move some pieces around. We can let go of some pieces. And, and so there, there are ways to achieve it. I'm just fortunate that, I never signed up for those sort of things. I did only in smaller bits where I could leave if I felt like it wasn't quite working. Some people are deeper into it to where it's, it takes a lot to leave, you know, and and just try to find themselves separately, let's say. So I'm just trying to show up and fill the gaps, you know, for other people in that way, because I was fortunate enough. I'm not saying that makes us fortunate and unfortunate, but given what it is, you know, to try and, move through someone else's mind, I really feel like I personally need a lot of space because if I'm moving through someone's mind and then another person's mind and another person's mind, I'm tripping, you know, several times uh, a week. And then, you know- And that
0: can be exhausting. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so yeah, like, you know, that's what I really like helping people with and, and that's where it comes from. That's the space that I come from. So, you know, I openly admit that I don't experience a lot of this stuff at the depth that, you know, people may want me to experience it because they're like, you can't tell me, even if your words are true, you can't tell me just because you haven't experienced it. And I go, yeah, you're right. So then you, you probably want it from someone who has experienced it, but then they'll only be able to talk about that thing that they experienced because it took 10, 20, 30 years to move through the beginning, meet the middle and end, yeah, you know, and then try to find some holistic perspective of it when I'm telling you all the same words, but yeah, I just don't have the exact experience. So, you know, we all have uh, our qualifications and, and, you know, criteria for who we listen to and that's totally fine. Um, and so, so yeah, but either way, I just, anyone that wants to try and shift a mindset or just, you know, uh, see things from a different perspective more unified in my opinion that's the ultimate is balance and try to find some holism in our breaks because i'm not going to be like a support soundboard where i'm just like yeah you got it you know like it's always agreeing i i want to try and bring things together so if it's a difficult situation i want to actually try to bring it together like satan you know i want to bring that in not so that we can become just that one thing but i feel like there's so much evolution once we unify these things that we've divided i'm really passionate about that aspect of our minds and they're just it's hard to try and weave all those things together you know put them together and then create one new consciousness there's a whole process in that and to do it with you know some things that are heavier so this is what i really like massaging in uh you know people that are seeking that so they can they can easily find me on social media, very active on, on like Facebook and Instagram. If you message me, I'll, I'll easily respond. I have a website, Jack Coleman, J A C K C O L E M A N dot live.
0: Dot live.
1: Uh, yeah. I'll put that
0: on the show notes too.
1: Awesome. And, and so, yeah, you can book sessions and also uh, make these little, uh, personal resonance devices that, uh, help you retune, let's just say consciousness to more natural rhythms. So that's really helped me. I hand make them. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I use them for, um, personal, personal tuning and it's just really helped clean up my consciousness in ways that, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. So do you um, have,
0: do you have a site for that?
1: It's on the Jack Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, they're called quantum coils. um, And they're just handmade PEMF devices. But um, yeah, the way that we can use them, I started seeing some new avenues for it. So it's really cool. But generally speaking, you know, um, we can just call it a a resonance device or um, PEMF device. So you feel like
0: vibrations from it?
1: Uh some people it's really interesting. It's a subtle energy. So it's electromagnetism. PEMF oh, okay. is pulsed electromagnetic fields. And, and that's a that's a quantum force basically. Uh, you know, it interacts with electrons, it's what moves them, you know, between orbital shells and even between atoms. Um, our computers use it to transmit information. And most of the time we don't really feel the effects of Wi-Fi or the signals. Wi-Fi is electromagnetic magnetic fields. And so we generally don't feel them, but they, they are interacting with us. Um, but there are some people that, interestingly enough, they were super sensitive. They were like spiritualists, meditators. They love nature. And I would you know, set the thing up, but I hadn't turned it on yet. And they're like, ooh, I really feel the, the vibes and everything. And I was like, I haven't turned it on yet. And then there are other people that are, let's just say, a little bit more numb You know, they're, they watch TV, they eat, you know, bad food, drink alcohol, don't meditate, don't really go out in nature. And, and I turned it on without telling it without telling them. And immediately, like, as soon as I flipped the switch, you go, Oh, what was that? And I was just like, seriously? Yeah. So I can't really get a gauge because some of the sensitive people don't know when it's on or off. And, you know, I've only had one of like the more let's say the, the numb person. Uh, and I just thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah. He was probably the most accurate out of all the people. And he's like 65. And and he was the most accurate for literally I flipped the switch like that and he jumped out of his chair. Uh,
0: well, now I'm intrigued. I need to go to jackcoleman.live <laughs> to check this out. So, yeah. okay, well, we're wrapping up here, but I just want to say thank awesome. you so much. Thank you for the patience. I know we were trying to, get on here and do this months ago, but this I'm glad and, we could connect. Yeah, very enjoyable conversation, very enlightening and I just same really appreciate you. your work and you and thank you.
1: Thank you. And same with you. Yeah. This this was awesome. I love this conversation. So much appreciation. Thank you so much.